0: Welcome to Rider on the Road, the creative podcast that helps you get those pesky voices out of your head and onto the page. And remember, it's the journey that matters. This is it, everybody. It's episode 100 of Rider on the Road. We've been waiting a fair while for this one to come about. And we've been waiting so long, one would think that we would have our very special 100 episode recorded. But of course, we haven't. That's us. We're in the middle of our uh, recording our summer school, and we have missed our deadline. So instead, I'm putting up another episode that is very dear to my heart. It's uh, I've just recorded it with Jerry Bollander, and it's about the skills we need kicking into the 21st century, and it's about creativity and entrepreneurship. Now you hear those words every day on the podcast, so I think it's fairly appropriate. Uh, don't miss this one because I spent the whole hour are uh, typing and writing and making notes. Uh, Jerry has a new book out, The Entrepreneur Ethos, how to build a more ethical and inclusive, resilient entrepreneur community. And he has more tips on grit and resilience uh, that we need to hear as we're kicking into a very busy year that is going to be so full of change uh, and changing more often. Okay, here at Rider on the Road, we are excited to announce that our new website is now up and running and live. Uh, So jump aboard, go and have a look at our new website, www.riderontheroad.com.au. And there's a download there for you. There's a free download of our Voices in Your Head writing guidelines for adults. And it's been a long time coming, so it's there for you at long last. Uh, We've got sponsorship happening all this year. You'll see our brand new sponsors on our website, which is really exciting if you're interested in Sponsoring or being a sponsor for Rider on the Road, just slip me an email at uh, melinda at tropical dot com and we'll we'll have a little chat and see what we can come with. This week's sponsor is Paul Brody from Brody Education, uh, very very talented man. Uh, courses and coaching are now open for business for adults. I've been approached by several people and we'll be working to get their books out in ninety days, which is which is something that I I do anyway, and we have Uh, formalising the processes around that a little bit. After my interview with a beautiful lady earlier this week who is a freelance journalist and makes her whole living out of freelance journalism, uh, I realised I was on track with some of the adult courses that I'm making. We're putting up uh, How to Write a Personal Essay And how to write a feature article because back in the olden days I used to make my money out of travel writing and now I'm going to formalize that one as well and there'll be a lot of short courses around I guess the skill set you need to be a freelancer because one of the things that I've noticed is that you need multiple streams of income. Now I have been teaching, as you know, and and loving it so much, as you know as well. Uh, and now I am working in the business full time, so I'll be going back and doing a bit more freelancing. I love travel writing, I love travelling, so uh, I'll be I'll be doing a little bit more of that, and I'll be bringing on other people who are very very good at what they do to help us along the way and teach us. Uh, I guess the skills that we need to optimise our chances of earning earning uh, what we're worth, is how Lindy Alexander put it. Another lady I've got coming up on the podcast very, very shortly is a digital nomad, and she travels the world uh, making a living. And so we talked about uh, co-working spaces, and we talked, talked about the things you need to do when you are in different countries, uh, which is a bit, little bit interesting because we're off to Vietnam for a month later in the year. And I intend to be working remotely for the full month. So I was very keen to hear what she had to say and how we're going to survive in Vietnam. Luckily for me, she says it's absolutely beautiful and we're going to have a ball. And uh, coincidentally, she's put out a little travel guide on Saigon. So I'll be having a look at that in the next little while. Uh, Another thing that I've had to accept is that my niche is going to be forevermore writing excellence programs for young scholars. I've been trying to bid that one down for, what, 18 months now, and it just keeps growing like topsy. And here at our summer school we're running here in Brisbane this week, I've discovered that I absolutely love it. Well I don't, I always love it, but I thought one day I'd grow up and and do you know grown-up stuff. Looks like it's not going to happen. Looks like me and my kids are, are going to continue to grow and thrive. There's a huge huge interest out there, everyone in uh, helping our kids be the best that they can be. And I thought, well, if that's what I do best, uh, that's where I'm going to stay. Uh, We're going to be running some workshops around uh, young entrepreneurs. We'll be running some weekends. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that as they come up in the next few weeks. My new partner is thriving. And it's been really exciting this week at the summer school to watch Sam take control. And I've been... For the last year, helping her, her grow into her role. And this week at the summer school, she's actually been pushing me aside a little bit as she takes centre stage and the kids absolutely adore her. So that frees up my time and I'm really excited about that as well. I I had the privilege of working with our very young students this week and I got lots of hugs and cuddles, so I really, really like that. Uh, our sponsor is coming up, Paul Brody, and he's got his usual tips on book publishing for us. And then we're going to kick into our... Our very, very uh, informative interview with Jerry Bollander. Uh, welcome to episode 100 of Rider on the Road. Yes, we are very excited here and is upstairs making us a bunch of chocolate chip cookies to celebrate. And welcome to my beautiful sponsor, Paul Brady. Hi, Paul. Hello. Hi. And what we're trying to do here is wish everyone a very Merry Christmas, Paul. What we're we'll to talk to you today about is coaching and why it matters.
1: Absolutely. Oh, again, Merry Christmas to everyone. And I think the main thing is the best gift you can give yourself is the gift of having an accountability partner. I actually talk about that in my newest book, Champion, where we actually dedicated an entire chapter to do that. Now, why do I mention that? Because I have my own coach. So I have the great Taki Moore as my business coach made a significant investment in his black belt program but I'm a huge believer in it. Because when you have a coach, you have focus, you have accountability and even implementation. And that's what I tell every one of my clients and my students, because you need to have someone there with you to walk you through the process, to be able to hold your hand and support you through all phases of your book, because there's so many different parts with books. Now, is there anything very difficult about books, about publishing and marketing? no. But there are so many different things that are tedious, that are time consuming, that can be very stressful and not having the right publishing plan and what we talked about previously, but not having the correct marketing plan. You have to have a strong system in place, but you need someone to help you to focus accountability and implementation. That's what a coach brings to you. Now, for those of you that are looking for a coach, I'd love for you to go to brodyedu.com, Check it out. You can watch my free webinar there. Or you can actually book in for a free 50-minute uh, consultation call with me where I'm just going to go, hey, what questions do you have? would love to work with you because we're going to the new year. We're going to resolutions. We're going to things that we want to change in 2018. But how are you going to be able to do that? You need to write down your goals and you need to have a coach to help you. And I'd love to help you with that.
0: There you go. OK, thanks, Paul. Uh, have a nice week and we'll see you next week. And welcome to another episode of Writer on the Road. Today I've got with me Jerry Bolander from San Francisco, and he's on the hot side of America at the moment. He's only got rain, he hasn't got snow and minus 100 degrees. Uh, good morning, Jerry.
2: Good morning. Good morning. Good
0: morning, and that beautiful American accent. Now, Jar- <laughs> <laughs> Jerry is the author of The Entrepreneur Ethos How to Build a More Ethical, Inclusive, and Resilient Entrepreneur Community. Now, that only touches the surface of what Jerry does. He's an engineer, he builds chips and all these very interesting engineer type uh, things. So, as you all know, I'm a technophobe, and Jerry is going to take over, lead the push, and tell you everything because I haven't got a hope. Jerry, congratulations on your new.
2: Well thank you so much. I uh, really appreciate being on your show and uh as a writer, uh it's great to hear that you've embraced the writer lifestyle and that last the last year of 2017 was uh a, a turning point for you. So, um congratulations on living the writer life for a year. Now
0: I'm 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 curious about my own life now. Uh, what, <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> uh, well, I,
2: I i read your I read your little summary um, of you know the businesses that you're trying to run and that you're an entrepreneur, which I love um, because you know I am an entrepreneur as well as an author. And a lot of times when I talk to authors and creative people, they don't seem to think that they need to have the entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, in order to get their work out there. And so I really applaud you for not only embracing the creativity side of things, which is really important, but also realizing that in order to make a living at it, you have to have some of the dirty little business stuff that not a lot of people in the creative arts, uh, well, they think it's dirty or ugly or whatever. It's not, it's just the way you got to get paid.
0: Okay, so everybody, uh, welcome to 2018. Welcome to all of us becoming entrepreneurial and more business like in our creative lives because, Jerry, I've got to tell you a secret we make stuff up, we wing it as we go along. Uh, uh, But that's what Jerry's here to talk to us today about, everybody. And he's reached out to me, and I'm really excited to have him aboard because he's going to talk to us about the entrepreneurial ethos. Uh, So we might start there after that beautiful introduction done by you. Uh, You can continue to interview me. Um,
2: yeah, tell us about the entrepreneurial ethos. Yeah, so um the entrepreneur ethos uh has been something I've been thinking about for a long time. I I've, I've been an entrepreneur for twenty plus years. I've been at six companies, some of them have done okay, some of them have done great, and others have completely cratered. And um I've also written books. So this is my fourth book. And when I was thinking about how I wanted to, you know, write my next, um, my next offering to the world, I, uh, I was inspired by a couple of things. Um, one, I'm a big Stephen Pressfield fan. I'm sure you've probably read The, the War of Art. Um, he wrote another book called The Warrior Ethos, uh, which I really, really enjoyed. And so the title of this book, I literally stole from him, full cloth, 100%. Um, of course, I wrote everything in it, but uh, the idea I got from him. Um, and the other thing is I, I was inspired by my, my late wife, Jane, uh, who passed away in April of last year uh, due to leukemia. Uh, she was a female minority entrepreneur in the, in the sports PR business uh, side of things. And uh, as you know, we were going through her illness and talking about our life future together, she, um, she would always encourage me to speak my truth about the knowledge I had, and more importantly, bring some clarity and some focus on some of the challenges that she had as a female entrepreneur, minority entrepreneur in in the sports PR business. So really, those those two were an inspiration. Jane, of course, uh, being the big inspiration and one of the first people that read some of the first drafts. And I really wanted to put forth something that was accessible to anyone that wanted to be an entrepreneur and was also reinforcing what i feel is the most important thing that we can do as entrepreneurs and that is build something that didn't exist before that moves the world forward i mean you know you can spend your time in life doing all sorts of different things uh, but one of the most rewarding things is creating something from nothing as all authors know You know, the blank page is our enemy. And as soon as we can get that, you know, that thought down, uh, now the next step is, you know, getting people to read it. So I really wanted to put forth a hey, this is the way I think as entrepreneurs, we need to raise the bar and uh, be better. Um, And the timing is pretty perfect given all the shenanigans going on. not only in the U.S., but around the world when it comes to harassment and, and what entrepreneurs are doing here in the Valley. So I I wanted to put forth a better way. Like, this is the way I run my businesses, the way I want to be an entrepreneur, and this is something to aspire to, is to raise the bar so that we can all succeed together and help each other out, because this is like the hardest job in the world. I I mean, I can't think of another job harder than creating something from nothing, so... That's what was inspired me to do it.
0: Yeah, and now everybody, we all know exactly what Jerry's talking about here because we we have our blank pages, and you wake up every morning with a blank page, and we we all kick straight into that fear mode. Uh, is anyone going to like what we're doing? Is someone going to laugh at us? Uh, mucking things up. And and failing, failing is a wonderful thing, in in my world. And I teach my students, um, my young entrepreneurs coming through. I teach them that failure is the best thing you can ever do because you learn from it. And I think there's a quote in your book that I absolutely loved, and I've written down here: failure is an option, but it's never the end result.
2: Yep, yeah, that's one of the uh, points in the ethos. Um, there's five major points in the ethos, and and the reason why I put that there is because, you know, anyone with half a brain. Is going to realize that the entrepreneur game, uh, the odds are pretty much stacked against you. (laughs) So, you know, if you're going to be a a Zuckerberg, you know, Facebook, Netflix, whatever, I mean, that's the 1% of the 1%. Not a lot of us are going to attain that amount of uh, success, but we may. And we take on those challenges every day. And so, even if we're not the Zuckerbergs of the world, Uh, or the Facebooks or the Google or the Microsoft or whatnot, what we do still matters and we need to pursue what we need to pursue and bring our gifts to the world and bring our art for lack of a better word as an entrepreneur, um, so that people can, can experience it.
0: Yeah. Everybody, what we do does matter. Uh, what we do every day of our lives does matter. And what we create every day of our lives matters. Uh, I, I certainly agree with that, Jerry. And now you've created three books, but it is I do want to focus on this lovely one, The Entrepreneurial Ethos, because it's so very topical at the moment. It seems that every everyone... Every day I turn around is starting their own business and and getting uh-huh. out there and having a go. My concern is that everybody's giving up too soon. Sorry, some people are giving up too soon.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Um, it takes time, doesn't it?
2: It does. It it, it requires patience and grit, determination. Uh, it's not an easy thing. It it's not overnight success. I mean, there's lots of stories. That you see, excuse me, in in the press about, oh, you know, Google, you know, it's a billion-dollar company, overnight success. You know, it took Google eight years to get where it's going. Facebook's the same way. Netflix is the same way. But no one talks about the grind. And that's a really important thing for people to understand is that you may not see a return right away. You may have to work hard. You may have to have a side hustle. You may have to keep your day job uh, in order to get to the point where your um your passion your business your your side hustle is gonna make make money i mean i was glad to hear from from what you you guys are doing that you know by the end of 2017 you guys can now going into 2018 this is your full-time gig which is awesome that means you've made it, quote-unquote, um, uh, and that's wait. a wonderful thing.
0: Can I tell you some stories about that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and everybody, it's probably a good thing to share. Uh, we, we kicked off our summer school here because we've got the beautiful sunny weather over here in Australia, Jerry. We kicked off our summer school this week and things have gone a little bit pear-shaped in my world right at the very beginning of 2018. I'm sitting here nodding my head everyone um, as Jerry's speaking because I'm trying desperately to launch a new website Jerry and everything that can go wrong is going wrong. I'm actually now yeah. totally off the air with my podcast as I record you for a podcast um, <laughs> because my new web designer has totally cocked things up uh, and I'm thinking wow there you go what a way to start the year no income coming in no money nothing but you know today's another day I'm speaking to you your grit, tenacity, and confidence are what we need,
2: isn't yes. it? Yes, 100%. And you know what? That's just the way it goes. Like, changing the world's tough. Um, the status quo is going to be against you pretty much all the time. I mean, to have the gall and the, the audacity to say, like, yeah, my point of view, come see my point of view, mm. you know. That's the resistance, as Stephen Pressfield talks about all the time. Not only the internal resistance, but the external resistance, which every single entrepreneur experiences. So, yeah, just you know, you just got to keep out, keep at it because <laughs> yeah. eventually it'll get solved.
0: <laughs> and, and everybody, every day is a new day. Uh, we wake up again. I know at two o'clock in the morning we go, oh, there goes the money. We're, we're doomed. Uh, so I spent all night last night going, oh that's it we're doomed and then at seven o'clock in this morning a big little or sorry a little big lot of money turned up in my account and I went oh okay we're okay for today we'll we'll go off again and we'll be okay uh it it takes uh I think a special kind of skill to be able to live like that because we've been trained since primary school now I'm 56 you're you're 10 years younger um but mm-hmm. we grew up in a world where a secure job and a picket fence and a gold watch is fairly important where well, I deal with young kids where I'm saying that's just not going to happen anymore.
2: No, not at all. I think in the twenty first century the the most important skill is the entrepreneur skill. Even if you're not gonna be an entrepreneur like you and I, to have those skills and the resilience and the hustle and the tenacity and the self-belief to get through the challenges that you're gonna face. I mean, yeah, I mean my dad who's seventy eight he worked 35 years or so at a, one company, got the gold watch, and now he's retired as a pension. And I'm like, what's a pension? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, that just doesn't exist anymore unless you work for the government, um, even over here. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, the book really is focused on that, the internal workings of what it takes to be an entrepreneur. There, there's lots of books about the mechanics of – you know, the external world like marketing and sales and product development. Uh, but I really wanted to write a book that was about the internal struggle um, and, and the traits, values, and beliefs that you have to have or work on in order to be have a chance at being successful. I mean, not all of us are successful, and that's fine, and not all of us are successful all the time, but, you know, you keep at it, and pretty soon something happens. So...
0: Yeah, now those internal uh, traits that we're talking about, the internal workings, that's what's really got me intrigued and everybody, I I bought Jerry's book and I'm actually going to see if we can get some paperback copies. I don't know if we can get them here in Australia, Jerry, but if I can, I'm going to buy them, everybody, and I'm going to give a few away on the podcast because I feel so very, very strongly about this topic uh, that we've all got it inside of us, but there are external workings that knock us around. Uh, Now, I'm going to skip into... Oh, I haven't finished the five traits, everybody, but this is much more exciting and much more interesting. Uh, the... Fire, the traits that I want to talk to you about, and it was, the, it was the headings that really got me. It was kicking tires, lighting fires, the wood doesn't chop itself. I love that. Houston, we have a problem, which is something that comes up daily. Uh, confidence, not cockiness. Deadlines focus the mind. Where do I sign up? Waiting to be a swan, which is absolutely beautiful. And hard is what makes, makes it great. Now, that hard is what makes it great is what really excites me about what I'm doing. And I'm guessing it's kept you going for a very long time.
2: Yeah, I mean, that that chapter has to do with grit. And um, I, I interviewed about 50 entrepreneurs for this book. And sort of the recurring theme that all of them shared in various forms or another was that it was the the discipline and the grit to make stuff happen that they felt was their biggest success factor. And what I mean by that is it's incredibly important that you get up every day and work to make yourself successful. Um, you know, if you've got to do grunt work, you know, traditional, like, you know, blue, blue collar type stuff where you roll up your, your sleeves and, you know, make stuff happen. Um, that is a amazing uh gift if you've got the determination and the discipline and the grit to get through it and and so yeah so you know if it was easy it wouldn't feel as good at the end i mean it's just like when you're uh riding a bike or running or doing something um athletic you know at the end <laughs> you sort of want it to be like man that was hard <laughs> and i'm glad i i'm glad i got that done so
0: yeah and one of the things we don't have as riders for the most part, and especially as indie writers, we don't have deadlines. Deadlines focus the mind. I think that's where some of us fall down. Uh, I run physical workshops because that actually makes me turn up, um, and especially when I don't want to turn up at the start of the year. So I walked into a classroom of 20 little ankle biters yesterday, and I'm going, are we having fun yet? You know, I put it up yeah. on Facebook. Are we having fun yet? Uh, exactly. And the kids just love it. Um, focusing your yeah. mind, um, can you? You can give yourself a deadline, don't you? It doesn't have to be an external deadline.
2: Yeah, I mean, a lot of times, what I like to do with deadlines is, you know, for me, you know, I I always think that creativity on a deadline is the best kind of creativity, and the reason is is because it forces you to get stuff done. And it forces you to really think about what's the minimum thing I got to get done in order for me to feel comfortable. Because, like, you know, as writers, I could tweak a sentence all day. You know, I mean, you'll, you'll read the book through it more and like, you know, there's things I could fix. Yeah, yeah, OK. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm no Steven Pressfield or whatnot. But I released it my ideas are out there. I'm talking to you about it. Someone else can, you know, read it and get some inspiration. And and there's a real power to that. And so when when you force a deadline, even if it's arbitrary, it really allows you to focus on what's important. Um, And for this particular one was great. I had a, I was going to be on a podcast from a friend of mine and he wanted to record it in, I think it was October. October of last year. And he's like, well, in order for you to be on my podcast, you need to talk about something. It sounds like you should talk about this book. And I'm all, oh, I guess I should get it done. (laughs) So, you know, it was arbitrary, but I really wanted to be on his podcast. And I really was like, yep, you're right. I got to get, let me get this done. So I felt, uh, I felt really good about that. And I felt uh, empowered to be like, okay, I got a deadline. I mean, it's the same thing with uh, like NaNoWriMo, which is the, you know, write a novel in a month, which I did last November. And, you know, your are uh, one of your guests, Julie Schooler, uh, which was on, I think, podcast 88. Um, you know, when she was talking about going from nonfiction to fiction and the, you know, the challenges of that. And I was just thinking, what got me through that was the deadline. It's like, you know what, you got a month, make it happen. And I'm like, okay, time to go, you know, and, so that that's, I think that inspires creativity. Deadlines inspire creativity for me.
0: Uh, first of all, thank you for knowing my podcast better than I do. Uh, Julie, <laughs> Julie you, you're a wonderful guest, and she's been on a couple of times, which is wonderful yeah. as well. Uh, you're talking about – are you saying that you wrote this book during NaNoWriMo? Uh,
2: no, not, not this one. It was another novel. I wrote a novel, a fictional um, account of my late wife Jane's um, career. Uh, this one took 22 months. It's – a lot, a lot longer to have to research and write stuff. And, and I was particularly, um, Taken and, and, and chuckled a little bit when you know Julie was talking about well you just can make stuff up and I'm like yeah you can just make stuff up as a as a fiction and I'm like I don't have to fact check that. come on just make it up you know um, <laughs> so it was incredibly <laughs> liberating to not have to like cross reference Like who said that what was the quote you know okay, so.
0: yeah <laughs> see now don't forget everybody that um, where Jerry's talking about um, he's a he's a business mind here so entering the fiction realm is actually really quite exciting you just set it in an alternate planet. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) you make up a fantasy lad. Now, you say it's a fictional account of of your late wife's um, journey and story, and you refer to her in the book and both in person as we're talking as a uh, minority entrepreneur. Um, Now, I'm I'm guessing you're talking about her working in what's traditionally a man's field, sports, psychology, or something like that?
2: Actually, both. So uh, she was Asian uh, female and then working in the uh, sports public relations so her main job was to promote professional athletes and so before i met her uh she had a lot of very famous athletes in the u.s uh mostly basketball and football uh and she would tell me these great stories about well some of them were a little bit like oh my god i can't believe that happened uh but a lot of them were just these situations she'd get herself into and Uh, it was just a real, it was really therapeutic and a real joy to like put those stories down in a fictional account of her, of her impact in her life. And, you know, her as the protagonist, you know, conquering the world. So it was, it was tough at times to, you know, write about, about her since she's no longer with us, but it was also inspiring to like tell her story. And, and I just really felt, uh, inspired and honored and, and, and just really, it just was very moving. And, and, and the whole reason why I write is to tell these great stories. And if it's nonfiction or fiction, all writing has a purpose. And so whatever story you have as a writer needs to be told. I mean, if three people read it, great. If 300,000 people read it, even better. Uh, but we all have stories and these stories, you don't pick them, they pick you. Um, the book, the entrepreneur ethos was a classic one. You know, that was something that picked me. I saw a lot of challenges that people were facing and I didn't think they had a good framework to, to, uh, you know, to overcome them. And so I decided, well, you know, it's time for me to write down what I know and to really learn, uh, a lot about the process that people have and the journey that they're on. So that's how that came about
0: yeah and that's really interesting everybody look we could unpack so many things of what jerry's um talking to us about today and and the the 22 month um journey that you went or you're going through or went through about with writing your writing your novel uh you you can dig far more deeply i think when you're writing fiction than non-fiction but it can be you can be it can be really confronting, can't it? Uh, And Mm -hmm. and to keep going on on a daily basis, we go back to that feel the fear and do it anyway. Uh, Were there any times where you just wanted to stop and just shut this thing away?
2: Yeah, there were a couple, um, especially uh, the entrepreneur ethos where I was just having a hard time encapsulating the, um, it's sometimes hard to like, Think about how someone, when they read your work, is going to interpret it. And you have to be really very conscious when you're writing a nonfiction big idea book, which is this is a big idea book, to have a very good narrative thread. So not only does it have to be factual, it has to be interesting, and there has to be stories that matter to the reader, and they need to follow a logical progression. So, in, in some sense, it's like writing a fictional book where you have to have a good story arc, you have to have a good beginning, a good middle, and a good end. And you really have to think about how that arcs gonna happen. And there were times where I'm just like, Can I just not write this anymore? It's this just, just too much. All I wanted to do was be like Oh no, please. No, not, I can't write another thing about blah or, Oh no, this is not going to end well. I need to, I need a better story. Like some of the stories at the beginning were just really bad. Um, and so,
0: yeah, so doubt everybody so, doubt gets us anybody who turns out a book in a week. Now we hear this story all the time. Yeah. yeah uh yeah. do we just yeah. love it? We love it here at writer on the Road. Let it let it be our mantra. Writing a book in a week is is possible but probably not going to be all that good.
2: Yeah, I could <laughs> see you could write a scene or a chapter in a book maybe in a week but still. I mean again, but but Hey, if that's your thing, that's your thing. I I don't I don't necessarily uh, agree with the you know take twenty years to write a novel. Um, I think I think there is a a time span that has to be comfortable for everyone uh, in their creative process. But the faster the better, because then you can move on to the next thing. Yep. And it's only going to get better. The more you do, the better you get. There's I that's my first book is is not that great this book is a thousand times better so
0: yeah now everybody we've got to remember here we're, we're actually talking to an engineer and i found exactly what you do jerry found it in my scribbled notes here a designer and builder of microchips now yeah. when i read that i went oh i'm in trouble but listening to you now i'm talking to a well-trained deep thinking author uh well how did that transition come about just practice
2: yeah I mean a lot, so I was always pretty good at writing, even as an engineering student, and a lot of times engineering students or we self select into things that we don't have to communicate because <laughs> we're like introverted or whatever, and we're like, oh, I just want to write code, I just want to design you know design computer chips um so what what I was just really good at it I would write reports and I would write uh You know summaries and and really had a good keen eye for telling the big picture. Like this is where we're going. This is the vision. You know, it was basically having a narrative, right? A a really strong narrative. And at one of the companies that I worked at, uh, one of the guys I managed wanted me to teach him how to be a better manager. And so he's like, Hey, can you come up with an outline of all the traits you think is to be a good manager? And I'm all, yeah, okay, sure. So I wrote about an eight page outline and looked it through it. And we started talking about it and I would add more and more and more. And pretty soon that became my first book, which is called frustration free technical management. And that sort of put me on the journey. Uh, I just had, a lot of fun writing it. I felt it was a really valuable tool, uh, for not only me, but for the people I managed. And, you know, it was like, wow, you know, the, the, the two best things in the world other than, you know, <laughs> uh, marrying Jane was, uh, seeing my name as an author on Amazon and, you know, signing it, signing books. So it was beautiful and brilliant. And I, uh, I just really uh, appreciated the process and the discipline, uh, and the important thing to capture what you know uh, and then I was hooked
0: yeah and and look at his it is addictive. Uh, we all yes. like – Someone was, I was on holidays at Christmas, Jerry, and everybody was talking to me about their author rankings. And I'm not mentioning any names, Annie Seaton, but they've got these little <laughs> Apple watches and it brings up their stats about where they are on Amazon rankings. Oh, God. And she,
2: I, I she, couldn't do that.
0: She told me I was about $4 million and something with my minus wife and I said, yeah, but I don't sell it. <laughs>
2: I said, I don't own
0: an Apple Watch to watch this. I could imagine it would be addictive. Um, You could get quite aggressive, I think.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I I mean, there's a certain part of that. That's the entrepreneur in me that wants to win, (laughs) uh, wants to be number one. Uh, But I realize that, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there that, you know, is promoted more and, you know, this has a different take on things, so... Um, my goal with this one is to get it out there in as many people's hands as I can so that they can really, you know, think about it. And if they're thinking about wanting to be an entrepreneur, uh, then they, you know, I say, read the book and th- this is, this is some of the, this is what you need to know. Uh, and then I want really to, to change the conversation about our responsibility in society, especially given all the bad behavior that's going on. I, It's just appalling to me. I I never, in my 20-year career, I mean, you know, we just don't. uh, This is not something you do. Like I was taught better than this, and I I want people to know that there's entrepreneurs out there like myself that are think that sort of stuff is 100% unacceptable, and we're here to change it.
0: Yeah. Now, everybody, we're going to just give you a little reminder here that we've also had Tony Lloyd on the podcast, and Tony's book is Along Similar Lines. It's it's about, um, I guess, embracing community and what we can do to give back as entrepreneurs. Uh, and one of the key elements that I have got written down here on my notes to talk to you about, Jerry, is guiding society to take on the challenges of the 21st century.
2: Yeah. Um, so one of the things that is – abundantly apparent when you look at how things are starting off in the 21st century is that the pace of change is accelerating especially when it comes to technology and so you're seeing self-driving cars you're seeing robotics you're seeing blockchain you're seeing ai you're seeing all these things that over time are going to replace people i mean it's it's inevitable it's going to happen uh so If you want to keep up, then the best way to keep up is to be more entrepreneurial, like go make your own job, go create the next big thing. And so it is extremely relevant that the skills of the 21st century are going to have – there's two major ones, creativity and entrepreneurship. Uh, And both of those are super important. Uh, I don't see the mundane something that could be replaced by a robot type of work one being fulfilling or two being around very much longer uh and and as a society we need to deal with that i mean there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be affected by that we need to figure out a better way uh and you know it's going to be a a big long transition but uh, it's going to happen I don't see any way around it.
0: Yeah. Now I'm taking notes more than I should be here because this is a subject that is close to my heart. And being being an old lady now with grey hairs, working with um, you know fifteen year olds and encouraging them to to open up their options for their futures and realise that not the whole world can get OP ones and become a doctor and a lawyer. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you are going to become a doctor and lawyer, you want to uh, think really hard about how you're going to use those skills uh, to to help, um, as you said, help us grow a better world. Uh, Mm -hmm. But when you talk about creativity, entrepreneurship, and embracing technology. I have, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, everyone, who's been trying to keep up with this or even just trying to remember the words to use. Like I wrote down Bitcoin in my notes because I couldn't remember blockchain. Uh, but yeah. I spend a lot of my time, and usually off LinkedIn, everyone, if you're looking for people who are really savvy with this kind of stuff, there's an awful lot of articles on LinkedIn about, I guess, um, uh, artificial intelligence and artificial realities and having. Um, is it Alexa come into your house and and do everything yeah. for you? All those really, really kind of exciting scenes. The more I read, the more I don't know and feel that I would have to devote a whole lot more time to this subject because I think one of the things we want to talk about is the increasing pace of change. Jerry, how yeah. do you keep on top of all this? Because I just I'm I'm floundering.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I I. I subscribe to a couple of really great email newsletters that, uh, for me are the only things that I need to really worry about. I don't, I don't watch mainstream TV or the news. It's just too depressing and too fake for lack of a better word. Um, but there are about maybe three or four really solid newsletters, uh, that keep me up to speed on what's going on. And they are, they have summaries, and they're really short. They're not – you can you know click and dig deeper. Um, there's a thing called Quartz Daily, which is really great, and that just gives world news uh, as well as some technology stuff. Uh, there's CB Insights, which is another great for technology and startups. I mean those guys have the best data I've ever seen on trends, and it's really, really well-written and funny and kind of snarky. Um, there's a great uh, newsletter called The Hustle, uh, which is based out of San Francisco and they have mostly millennial focused news, but what's really great about that is they have a really nice summary of, of what they feel are the, are the, the things that to look after. Uh, and, and so that's those, those are, there's a couple more, but those are like the three that are three or four that are really important to, you know, you don't, you don't need to read a ton in depth, you just need to kind of know what's the next thing that's coming. Um, Because it's going to take time for things to evolve, but you don't want to be flat like, oh, well, I guess automation in trucks is going to happen. Like, what do you mean? Like, oh, no truck drivers in the US, you know, like, oh, what just happened, you know? (laughs) And and so you need to be aware of that sort of thing, because that's, that's going to affect society
0: yeah and and i pay very close attention because i'm responsible for students and mm-hmm. i'm i'm sort of a Bit out on a limb when it comes to schools because they're very, um, I guess, established and traditional. Uh, mm-hmm. But I do keep closely in touch with the universities and their entrepreneurial departments, and mm-hmm. they travel all the world trying to keep up, up uh, keep in touch with this stuff. Because as educators, it's our responsibility. And I think also as parents, everyone, if you've got, if you do have kids, I've got a seventeen-year-old who's about to take on a university degree, and I'm thinking, why? Um, why do you need a university degree? Because by the time you finish it, it will be mm-hmm. out of date. But it would mm-hmm. be a very, I guess, huge risk not to get that traditional university degree at this early stage.
2: Yeah, I mean, education's changed a lot in the last 10 years. I mean, I don't think there's anything you can't learn online now. I mean, you got Harvard and MIT and Stanford and pick your, pick your top universities. They all have their stuff online now. Uh so you know knowledge is now democratized, in my opinion. I think the thing that's really great about still pursuing a university degree uh is the discipline it instills in you. um I really got a lot out of the uh rigor and the systematic approach to learning, uh, and I use that throughout my entire you know life now. I mean, I've never stopped learning, never stopped reading, never stopped trying new things. You just can't. I mean, the pace of change is so fast that if you just say, oh yeah, you know, I'll just figure out how to use uh, DOS, you know, MS, DOS and Excel or VisiCal. And you're like, "Huh?" now there's Google (laughs) sheets and you know, there's all sorts of different things. So I, you know, if, you know, trying to figure out like what to study, right. In order for the next, you know, the next set of, uh, challenges that we're going to face, uh, you know, entrepreneurship, anything to do with coding and, you know, uh, analysis, statistical and anything that's like rigorous science, that's going to allow you to do test your hypothesis, you know, understand the results that's, it doesn't matter what you do. That is so valuable. Um, And, but, but yeah, the the technology. Yeah, even even me. I'm like, God, can we just slow down? <laughs> I can't keep up.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that can be overwhelming, and that's and that's yeah. what we need to be really careful of, everybody. Uh, I really liked having Jerry, Jerry on the podcast, and then he muttered something about rigorous science there, which I've written down. Everybody, fancy muttering rigorous science to a bunch of creatives?
2: Um, we forgive <laughs> you. <laughs> uh, now, well, I'll... yeah, but I mean, you know. Creatives don't give themselves enough credit uh, and it is incredibly hard to create something from nothing and it is there is a science to it and there's a rigor to it. everyone's got their process even though every single creative i I talk to is like no man it just comes from the muse I don't have like a process you know and you're like, oh yeah you do everyone's got a process and I think that's the thing that creatives authors need to really embrace is if you're going to be a pro and you're going to make money at it whether you like it or not you got to have the discipline to get up every day and do your process i mean like what you guys are doing with hey we're putting on um classes we're going to put on a a, you know get an adult writing class going we're gonna uh do a new website we're gonna you know do all of these things that are the discipline to make it happen. I mean, just doing this podcast, I mean, you, you know, we're going to have to record it then you're going to have to, you know, there's a process there and, but it's creative. The, the, the thing that a lot of authors, especially authors, you know, they don't want to be formulaic. They don't want to create something that looks the same. Right. But they're not formulas, they're frameworks, and if you embrace a framework that works for you and you can crank out creative stuff, then you are a disciplined scientific type problem solver. Whether you like it or not, whether whatever you call it, you know, you know deep in your heart that you're that's your process. And I think the the sooner we as creatives embrace that, the better. I mean, we're just going to do better more better work. And that's great. I would love nothing more than to see Great stories, great books, great products, because people got oh yeah, yep, I'm gonna you know get it done. So
0: yeah, and please don't do it in a week, everybody. We
2: want you to take a little <laughs> bit longer. Uh, yes,
0: yes. Sorry. It's it's interesting what you say now, everyone. Just another an- anecdote because everything Jerry says makes me realize what a ding dong I've been. I oh. had a business meeting with my business coach uh, last night after our kids sing uh, Jennifer Gale, if you're out there, and. What Jennifer said to me, she was trying to dig into what I'm doing for 2018 and pin down my processes and pin down my business plan and what my goals were. I said, oh, no, I just make it up. I just wing it. I just do all those sort of things. And after speaking for about an hour and a half, she looked at me and she said, no, you know exactly what you're doing and where you're going and all the rest of it. Um, She said, what you would need to do is put it on paper. Now, it's really Mm -hmm. interesting that as writers – that's what we do. We write, but when it comes to a business plan, we are 100% resistant. We don't want to do it.
2: Yeah, and, and you know what? Is, that is a great point. And one of the things that uh, Jane would talk a lot about with her clients, not so much with the athletes, but she also helped uh, startups and nonprofits uh, with their messaging, was something that she coined as her, the, your PR narrative like what describes what you do and that is like the perfect thing for writers to do because we like to write and so um you know after she passed away i uh i actually published a book uh with all of her her knowledge and one of the one of the sections of it is you know how to write this PR narrative and a lot of people get bent on business plans and i have an MBA and i hate them i think they're the biggest waste of time to put words on paper that mean nothing but uh, big but but the process of going through and thinking about what you want to do is way more valuable than the words that you put down the thing that's even more valuable is writing a narrative on what you your business needs to be a business narrative a pr narrative because that can be short you don't you don't you don't need a 35, 40-page business plan with a bunch of spreadsheets, right? You don't. What you need is a good narrative to figure out where the hell you're going. So when I, when you talk to me about your business, for example, within 30 seconds, I need to know what you do. I just need – I mean I, you can't and, – and this is extremely uh, challenging when you're a technical guy and a technical or a technical gal. Technical entrepreneurs are the worst humans at this because – all they talk about is the tech. All they talk about is the stupid technology. I'm like, I don't care. I even know what you're talking about, and I don't care. You know, tell me how you're gonna solve my problem. Tell me, really, what's like, what's the nugget, man? Come on, give me a break. And, huh? Well, we're gonna use, you know, AI and Postgres and, well, we have a framework and this and it's an app. And you're like, ah, I'm stressed out. You know. Just tell me how you're going to solve my problem. And the thing that creatives, authors, artists are really good at is having that vision. I mean, writing down the words and articulating a point. Very powerful. And so, yeah. So if you're apprehensive about doing a business plan, which you should be, my recommendation is to do a business narrative, do a PR narrative, do something that you're good at, but in the context of business.
0: Yeah. I think we're all being coached here, everybody. I'm sitting here thinking, (laughs) oh, I can tell you what happened and I can do this and you can give me some more advice. But the reality is this is your book. This is your uh, entrepreneurial ethos. This is what is in your book. And we all need to hear it. Um, you know, I've scribbled. I've, I can't write anymore, everybody, because I've filled in all the white bits on my page. And if I turn the page, it comes over as a noise on the podcast. Uh, so the entrepreneur ethos, it's all, it's all the psychology because there's no, everything that's happened here in the last 40 minutes, I've been nodding my head and getting very excited. You call yourself an author now. Do you do speaking gigs as well?
2: I do. I do. In fact, I've lined up a couple, uh, to promote the book and, and I also have done some, some teaching, uh, specifically around the, the, the PR, uh, the stuff that Jane taught me and, and how to write a better PR narrative and explain your business and your, and your vision, because a lot of times that's the hardest part about doing a startup. It's not building the product. It's getting people to buy the product And people buy the product when they know, like, and trust you, but also if you can explain it to them in a way they understand. And I always tell people that, you know, if your grandma doesn't understand what you do, chances are no one else will. And even if your grandma has got a PhD in nuclear chemistry, you know, you need to to make sure that everyone understands what you're doing. It's not oh, it's complicated. It's no, this is what I do. And everyone should be able to understand that. So, um, yeah, I, and, and part of the ethos about being an entrepreneur is giving back and explaining to people what it's like and, and educating them and telling them that it's okay to feel frustrated and that you're going to have challenges and struggles and just keep at it. And the wisdom, my wisdom over the last 20 years, I've I've put in a book. So yeah. <laughs> my contribution, my small contribution.
0: And know. I'm sure it's only uh, one in many. There's no, there's no end road with, with what we do, I don't think. Uh, right. Now, I think with uh, all entrepreneurs, one of the big things, and, and I've got two more things I want to bring up. And one is this, sure. and then one is you climbing mountains. Uh, we talk about entrepreneurs and the giving back. It seems to be at the core of what, what and why most people become entrepreneurs? They feel that they can't contribute where they are, so they go out and build something where they can they can give more than they get. Would that be a fair assessment?
2: Yeah. I mean, being an entrepreneur is a tough job. It's probably one of the hardest, and you can't get there alone. You just can't. You, you need to help from others. And once you realize that the most powerful thing that you can do as an entrepreneur is, one, I mean, bring your idea to life, but two, help others bring their ideas to life, you get such a charge out of that and such a a sense of accomplishment that all of those connections you make and all that help and all the sharing of knowledge comes back to you. And it comes back to you in a lot of different ways. It comes back to you in opportunities to collaborate, comes back into you – and investors, it comes back into you and product ideas, comes back in so many different ways. So, for me, all the companies that I've ever been at, it's been because I've helped someone, or I gave them an idea, or they, hey, can you, can you, can you, can you help us through this little problem? Yeah, we really can't pay you right now, but okay, you know, can you just give us like I'll buy you coffee? I'm like, yeah, sure, I, I'm not a problem, because I know, you know, sitting there, you know. Not knowing what to do and really being like, oh, I'm kind of a little lost here, uh, being able to reach out and, and have a sense of you know of openness and um, collegiate, collaborative, we're all in it together. I think entrepreneurs are the, the only kind of business people that do that. Um, I always say that an entrepreneur would get on the top of the mountain and just scream what they're doing so that someone may be able to help them. Like, I'll tell you exactly what I'm doing. Help, help, you know. So it's pretty interesting that way.
0: I think that's a great vision. Uh, I, I Look, I love the idea of it. Now, I was told this last night um, by my coach in no uncertain terms um, exactly what you're saying. We can't do it alone. I am so independent and such a stubborn bitch that I want to do it alone. And she said you just can't. You just can't get over it, <laughs> um, and that's yeah. Uh, yeah, very common. Yeah. Now we're going to finish up because I've taken up so much of your time. But how can anyone not continue this conversation, Jerry? I'd love to have you back in the future to continue it yeah, because you're such an interesting true. man, and I've only touched on the surface of all these notes. Uh, tell us about why a man who is very comfortable in his writing room has to go out and climb mountains and do triathlons and and really push <laughs> himself to the extreme for no other reason. It can.
2: Oh well, a couple of reasons. Um, I found that uh, endurance athletics uh, was a great way to relieve tension and stress. I'm also someone that really likes to explore pushing my limits, both mentally and physically. And the ultimate way to do that is through, in my opinion, the least is through extreme sports or endurance athletics. and so uh, yeah i and, and i've had I've had weight problems in the past um, and it's because I didn't take care of myself and there's a whole other thing we could talk about <laughs> like that but but i I sort of got obsessive about working out and trying to be healthy and what I've found. Is that that is directly translated into my business and creativity? Uh, because when you've you know done an Ironman and and been doing something physical for 14 hours, sitting down and writing for an hour is pretty simple, <laughs> you know. And, or you've done you know multi-day biking events or whatnot. Um, life is easier, you know. And so, and and you know, and even going through what I went through when Jane was sick. In the 15 months of her treatment, uh, and the roller coaster ride of uh, all the emotions, and you know, dealing with that every day as her primary caregiver, I just realized that the rest of life's easy. You know, <laughs> like what else can you? Well, what else can you take from me, and what else can you throw at me that I haven't already looked at? And and uh, you know, as creative people and as entrepreneurs, um, it's important to push ourselves. We we need to practice a lot of times uh, people don't understand that even being a creative or an entrepreneur takes practice like you 're not going to hit it out of the park it 's just like being an athlete. you practice and then you show up at game day you show up at the event you've the event is one tenth to one fiftieth of of your time right so showing up to your class, for example you know you, you teach a class you know to to young writers that two or three hour class you've spent probably 100 hours preparing for and practicing and doing the material so just like in business you know there's some things you got to practice before you go live there's some things you got to practice before you go to the big show Um, and you need to push yourself and you need to train and make yourself better and that's part of the reason why i do it and it's a lot of fun
0: yeah. And the entrepreneur ethos everybody. I can guarantee every one of us when we put ourselves into those positions we don't want to do it.
2: Yeah. 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 We need to need to push ourselves, that's yeah. for sure.
0: Yeah. And everybody I think I want to thank you, Jerry, for being so open and honest today. Uh, I think the this book is one that we should all have on our shelves, uh, The Entrepreneur Ethos, How to Build a More Ethical, Inclusive, and Resilient Entrepreneur Community. And it's all about sharing and caring and getting us all going in the same direction uh, to fight against, as you said, some of this um, really crazy stuff that's going on in the world at the moment.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think we all need to come together and hold ourselves to a higher standard uh, we need to help each other uh treat each other with kindness and compassion and and warmth and be better i I can't stress that enough you know we only get one uh one shot and or one shot on this planet and it's short believe me uh, by the time you know it it things happen and I think having having a way a framework having a an ethos to look back on and to aspire to um has really helped me a lot so that's what i what i want to pass on to the world
0: oh excuse me I've been sitting here listening too long uh, now if you want to know more everybody please get the book there are five points to the entrepreneur ethos I know we only did cover one which was um, I kind of remember it was something about failure uh, from yeah. what I remember way back at the beginning of the conversation uh, now being an entrepreneur is an honor we must earn daily is probably uh, one of the most important ones I pick out of those five please I'll put I'll put out a blog post about it because that's my my little promise for 2018 is to actually start blogging even though i hate it uh and start and start honoring my guests by not only doing a podcast but actually putting a blog out as well uh so that people awesome. we can get the word out in more things where do we find you
2: uh so i have my own blog called the daily uh you can find the book on amazon both kindle and uh, paperback uh and i'm on twitter at the dailymba and uh you know, I mean, I have a pretty unique name, so I'm also on LinkedIn. You know, Jari Bolander on LinkedIn, and would love to hear what people have to say. You know, connect, connect up, and hear your stories, and 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 really just want to put out my philosophy and my ethos on how to be a better entrepreneur.
0: Yeah. Now everybody, he is really easy to find. Sometimes when I Google my guests, I get about twenty of them, especially when it comes to LinkedIn and Skype. Uh, There, Jerry is smiling and very handsome in all of his photos. Everywhere (laughs) you look, he also has a wonderful book, and I just want to touch on it because I'm going to go and get this one next. And it's something about um, Twitter quotes. Um, What is it? What is it? Yeah. Quick endurance tweets.
2: Endurance tweet. Yeah. Love it. 140, 140 character words of inspiration. So uh, that was a fun book to write. It's short.
0: And I get my kids to do it at school all the time. We're always having um, competitions to see you can do things in 140 characters. You know what? They love it better than analytical essays. I can't understand why. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's constrained creativity. That's like the best kind.
0: Yeah, and it's easy. Uh, Far easier for them to do than actually have to think. (laughs) All right. Um, So that's it from me. That's it from Jerry. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I think this is one of our most valuable podcasts to date. Uh, We'll talk to you next time. Um, Bye for now.